As we return to a familiar qualifying format this weekend, it is a familiar qualifying result as Lewis Hamilton lines up on pole position in Budapest, while Max Verstappen will be starting on the second row. Welcome to the F1 Grid Top Podcast. Today we'll be reviewing the 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix qualifying. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have Tom Downey from the Everything F1 Podcast. Afternoon. Good afternoon. And off screen we have Formula Shakedown Steve Jackson. Good morning. Good morning. Firstly, we'd like to give a shout out to Eric Gutierrez and Baupau3011 for leaving us a five-star review. And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll shout out all of you who do to say thanks. So, Tom, it's a front row lockout for Mercedes, but they'll at least be wary of Verstappen starting on the softs right behind them that could supposedly give them a five-meter advantage off the start line. Yeah, um... First of all, fantastic result for Mercedes to get a front row lockout. And obviously, you know, like you just alluded to, they're starting on the mediums. So Verstappen, especially after the incident of two weeks ago, which I'm not going to say anything more about, is going to be positively <laughs> is going to be positively baying for blood this weekend, I think. Um on the softs, uh, uh Hungary is what I believe a five hundred meter rundown to turn one, something like that. So if if he gets a good launch, which the Red Bulls do seem to have had this year, and especially as Verstappen's got a slightly skinnier rear wing, so he should hopefully be a, have a bit more shoved down down that straight. If he gets a good launch with good grip on those tyres, especially if track temperature is a bit lower tomorrow, because we were peaking at I think just in excess of sixty degrees Celsius today, he may get a good launch and then perhaps send it down the inside of Hamilton, and then who knows. He may emerge in front or he may emerge in the wall. We shall see. Yeah, will certainly be a very spicy opening lap, and especially in a very spicy opening uh, first straight. But Steve, let's stick on Hamilton at the minute. Um, a one fifteen four, you know, set on his first qualifying run in Q3. The more the less uh, that Red Bull hear about the second qualifying run, you know, the more they're going to enjoy it. But, you know, there was some games being played on the track today, which um, very much resulted in this qualifying result. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of strange seeing that sort of thing come from Hamilton's side as well. And he's he's well within his rights to do that sort of thing, provided he meets the um, minimum stipulated lap time. So, uh, I mean things are getting a bit all hot and bothered um, between Hamilton and Verstappen now um, and Max's body language uh, <laughs> um, in the uh, winner's circle um, uh, post-qualifying was uh, it sort of said everything but um, yeah like it's it's rare that we see Lewis um, do this sort of thing but he's obviously stepping up his game a wee bit and I think he might have um uh, and justifiably so, this of a, a this of a bee in his bonnet over um, just how things have been the last couple of weeks. And um, Tom mentioned before we won't, we won't go into that, um, but yeah, it's it's um, I mean, either way, Hamilton's second lap wasn't gonna wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna beat his first. But I think he was more doing that just to make sure that the Stappen was in the worst possible position to start that lap. And like I said, he's well within his rights to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's obviously paid off. So uh, really, it's all going to come down to basically who can get down to T1 tomorrow. Because I think whoever 
gets down there first is probably going to just hold that initiative for the rest of the race because Hungary is very difficult to pass at. Yeah, and Lewis will certainly be hoping to be the first person in that first corner because it's a potential 100 wins tomorrow, which uh, has been a long time coming. But this last couple have just felt so long between them. But Mm. yeah, yeah. Tom, uh, Valtteri Bottas P2, right where Mercedes need him, ahead of Max Verstappen and behind Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, with the uh, summer break coming up and lots of talk about contracts, this is what Mercedes needed, isn't it? Yeah, Bottas has done today exactly what Mercedes needed of him and, and he has done pretty much all that he could do. It's easy when you've got a car as good as the Red Bull or as good as the Mercedes to sit there and say, why is that other driver not as quick? But if you look at how long Hamilton has been in that team and how it and how he's sort of moulded it and he's bedded, he's been there what, coming up 10 years and he's really bedded in with that team. Whereas Bartas has obviously come in and and you know and, and Hamilton's obviously gone from strength to strength. So it's not fair to look at Bartas and say, well, why is he not doing the same lap times or beating Hamilton week in, week out? Because you know, there's a reason Hamilton has won as much as he has. Um, but Bottas has had a solid weekend all weekend. I did fear that we were going to run into the age-old Bottas thing where he was quickest in free practice on Friday. Then Saturday, it's like, oh, we're going to start to go downhill, and then Sunday he's going to end up seventh or something. But no, he's he's did really well in qualifying. Um, excuse me. I was a little concerned in Q2 that he was going to potentially get knocked out because there was only half a second between about P3 and P11. Um, especially if you look at, I think it was P9 to P11, they all did the same time, but about one thousandths or one, something like two one hundredths of, of a second. It was incredibly close. But he's got through on the mediums. He'll sit there as a rear gunner. He'll try and hold up Verstappen in dirty air, perhaps. Yeah, he'll just do, and with the greatest respect about us, he'll do what he's there to do, which is to be to support acts to Lewis Hamilton. But yeah, he's, he's done really well and he should have given himself a good chance with Mercedes for them to say, well, this is exactly what we need. We don't need another explosion like they had when Rosberg was there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons as to why a lot of people are providing a reason as to why they might not put George Russell in that seat, given that everyone's touting him as a future world champion. You know, yep. Nico Rosberg was a future world champion and a, is a champion. But because of that, tensions rose. But Steve, Max Verstappen starting on the softs because it was very touch and go in Q2 for the Red Bulls getting through. But, you know, it's damage limitation in terms of starting P3. But, you know, he's going to be lightning fast off that starting line as he has been all season tomorrow. And with it being such a long run down, Mercedes are going to be watching yeah, um, I guess in this in this instance, he's got the wall that is Bottas between him and the person he ideally wants to be ahead of. So um, Red Bull have looked on the back foot all weekend, and the one time that he's got uh, his tail gunner with him, they're on the wrong side of the cars that they're ideally wanting to sort of fight against. So they've definitely got um, some some work to do but um the, the i think the the bigger disadvantage for them is just tire choice um 
Mercedes have set, we've seen them struggle throughout the season to get their tyres switched on, but we've seen track temperatures north of 60 degrees. So those mediums are going to be a lot easier on the Mercedes to actually get into a good operating window. And even though those stint times may not be as long as they'd like to, provided it stays as hot as it is as it was today for the race tomorrow. Red Bull on those softs, I, I, I can't see them lasting more than a few laps before they just drop off a cliff and Red Bull are suddenly on a two-stop and Mercedes might be able to pull off a one-stop quite comfortably and they just they just won't be anywhere. So, I'm, yeah, I, I, I think Max has done the best job he possibly could with the package they've got, but I'm... I'm thinking if it was if it was 20 degrees cooler on 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 the circuit, I think we'd be talking about a reverse grid for the first four places. But um, it's not the case, and um, yeah, Mercedes have got a really good opportunity to capitalise on uh, you know the result from Silverstone. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom Sergio Perez starting in P4 for a minute there. It did look very um, touch and go for Sergio Perez as well because he just didn't seem to be able to get in the competitive lap times that he'd need to be in this position. But, you know, lo and behold, he did make it and he is up there with Max Verstappen and the two Mercedes. So, you know, whilst it's not ideal, he is where Red Bull would want him to be at the very minimum. Yeah, uh, I felt for Perez a bit today, especially when he didn't make the cut for... Well, I say didn't make the cut, when he didn't make the the flag to, for his final running Q3 because of the shenanigans that were going on in front of him. Um, also, in Q1, Perez, has, I believe he was just over a second behind Verstappen for a lot of it, and then he didn't get a particularly good running Q2, so I was a little bit... I was almost a bit apprehensive. That sort of like, you know, are we going back to this cursed Red Bull second seat, or is he, uh, is, you know, or is, or is he just perhaps having a, a bit of a, a bit of a tough time getting into the groove? Um, then, uh, then obviously he pulls out a pretty good lap in, in Q3, the first time, the second time, you know, didn't happen. And his frustration on the team radio, I could, I really felt for him then because. You know he's not going to jump in front of Verstappen and potentially ruin Verstappen's lap. You know because he's Perez is good at playing the team game as we saw in France, and then for him to not be able to get to get a final flying lap in, I did feel for him. Although having said that, I don't think he would have really improved because we didn't really see anyone improve in their final run in Q3. I think the track had sort of it, the track had peaked and was perhaps even maybe beginning to cool down a bit at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And there is 0.75 seconds between Perez in fourth and Charles Leclerc in seventh. So it was a very close battle in terms of that. And that could have made all the difference. But Steve, one of the drivers that will be wishing he could have gone, you know, a couple of hundreds quicker, Pierre Gasly starting P5 in that Alpha Tauri. I think this is potentially his best start of the season. I know that he's been coming around sixth in qualifying every now and then, but. Um, yeah, a good performance from Pierre Gasly, who was definitely not in that position in free practice yesterday. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at his uh, P3 uh, result where he was down in 11th, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, okay, something's obviously um, gone a bit gone a bit wrong, because Sonoda was around there as well, so I figured it may have just been um, the, the change in whether it was getting hotter and hotter um, as the weekend went on. 
that just the cars are basically falling off. But um, yeah, he did he did quite well to well, he did very well to to put himself in that position. He's definitely putting that car in places where it doesn't necessarily deserve to be. Um, like the Alpha Tower is a good car, but it's not McLaren and Ferrari beating good. But he's beaten a you know both Ferraris and both McLarens again. Um, I th- it's yeah, it's it's a bit of a bit of a strange one for me because we're now you know if we talked about Gasly from a couple of years ago at any race we'd be sitting there going now he you know he's he's where he belongs but I look at it now and I think it's criminal that he's got like the AlphaTauri again it's a good car they're a good good team and they're, they're they're fighting and they've put in some giant killing performances but. Just imagine if he was in that second Red Bull. <laughs> um, you know, if if Marco ever saw the light and and you know um, put him back in there. Um, but yeah, but like you know, circumstance or you know, um, wishlisting aside, um, he's in a good spot. Um, he is very good at playing the long game in races as well. I think he definitely has matured as a driver and he understands that long game and that you know that you don't want to race on the first lap. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see what he does tomorrow. He is going to be, um, I think Norris is, his, is definitely his closest competition, especially going off their qualifying times. I mean, there's absolutely nothing in it between the two, but he could also start annoying Perez. Um, and that'll be quite interesting to see if he does start getting in the way of Perez or they start tripping each other up what Red Bull are going to do. Um, or, you know, what sort of conversations are going to be had between the two teams? Because it is possible that they could start tripping each other up tomorrow. Yeah, and imagine if he actually got ahead of Max Verstappen on the opening uh, street as well. That would certainly cause oh, some fireworks. Uh, <laughs> we'll see a broken desk in Red Bull. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, six thousandths of a second back. Lando Norris in P6, Tom. It He was definitely not quite on the pace in for the most of qualifying, but you know, he put in a lap when it mattered and he's ahead of his teammate and you know, he's ahead of the Ferraris, which is the most crucial aspect of this. So yeah, all it's Lando's uh position to lose now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um I mean again, good weekend from from Lando. He was up into P two or P three during I think it was during the end of um during during the end of Q two. I'm just looking at the timing sheets here again. You know, he, he was pretty consistent. Um, he was actually a little bit slower in Q3 than he was in Q2, but again, that could be down to track temperature, and it was, and it was only it was only a tenth in it, if that. Um, I mean, again, you know, I don't really know what more to add with Lando. You know, he's he's just been absolutely sensational this year. Um, he's been the most consistent driver this year because, again, you know, he's the only driver to have scored points in every single race this this weekend. Um, if he if he gets a jump on on. Gasly in in the Alpha Tower, you know, like Steve was just saying, he could could be on for a decent result. But even if he stays where he is, good total points. Um, you know, so maybe a couple of retirements, or if he catches a good safety car, or um, or you know, some something to that effect, or you know, well timed pit stop, what have you, you might see him at the grid a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And then seven t- seven thousandths back in P seven, Steve is Charles Leclerc in the lead Ferrari. Um, yeah, like I say, they've been beaten by the McLarens. They're behind the Alpha Tauris, which they definitely wouldn't have wanted. But, you know, they are right next to each other starting on the grid and it will all be to play for tomorrow for those two teams. 
yeah, he's um, right behind um, Norris and obviously McLaren and Ferrari sort of, you know, um, having a fairly uh, ding-dong battle for, for basically the entire season. Um, Ferrari's looked a wee bit uncomfortable um, for for both Leclerc and Sainz as well, who we'll obviously get to at some point. Um, it, it wasn't. It's not been a particularly uh, smooth weekend. Um, I think, especially in he, uh, sorry, in in FP two, um, they they looked like they were really struggling with just some basic setup. But obviously, it's it is un irrationally hot um so there there are uh, obviously going to be some some weird sort of um setup quirks and that sort of thing that they they may not have accounted for but um good result considering how things have gone this weekend so far it's just whether that car is actually capable of holding on to seventh once that once things kick off because um i mean all around them he's got some very um strong competition especially um from the Alpines as well, like they could start putting a fair bit of pressure on on Charles early on as well, and I believe he is on. He did his fastest time on softs, didn't he? Um, uh, sorry, he did his. Uh, did he do Q two on softs? I think he did, yeah, didn't he? I think it was yeah. only the Mo- the Mercedes that went through on the medium. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it, it's it's a gate. Like it, I mean, obviously around them, everybody else is on softs as well. But again, I'm I've got some concerns about how long those um, softs are actually going to last because I wouldn't put it past them to sort of start dropping off after you know less you know single digits in terms of laps into the race. So um, there is potential for him to. Um, you know, uh, move up um, depending on how pit stops and that sort of thing um, start to work out. But it could also go the other way as well. So um, I think they need a bit of luck for tomorrow to be able to hold on to that ceiling that he's got. Yeah, Charles Leclerc um, to, you know, give a Rubes trademark pun. But Tom, <laughs> let's look at Esteban Ocon, who has, you know, showed up for the first time since he got that contract extension, so starting P8 ahead of his teammate, who was looking very strong this weekend. Um, yeah, Esteban Ocon, what do you expect to see from him tomorrow? Um, hopefully, at least some points. You know, it, he seems to have been rejuvenated this weekend, and Alpine in general have been good this, this whole weekend. Um, it's nice to see Ocon ahead of Alonso, um, you know, whether that's down to Alonso now being into his 40s. <laughs> we, uh, you know, uh, uh, j- joking aside. Yeah, Ocon again, getting getting quicker as the sessions went on. You know, one seventeen three, then a one. Uh, yes, one seventeen. Yes, that's right. Then a one sixteen seven, then a one sixteen six in Q three. Just solid. You know, didn't didn't put a foot wrong. You know, we didn't we didn't sort of hear anything of him being untoward or having any issues. Obviously, Alonso had a you know had that nasty spin in FP three, I believe it was, or maybe FP. I can't I can't remember where, but um. But yeah, Ocon hopefully on, on, for, on for a good set of points this weekend. Um, and like um, like Steve was just saying, with Leclerc and the Friday Pats being not particularly good this weekend, I wonder if we might see the, the Alpines move ahead of Leclerc and perhaps up the grid a little bit. Yeah, that'd certainly be a nice uh, birthday present for Fernando Alonso. And Steve, speaking of Fernando Alonso, we've obviously just mentioned the Alpines going two by two here. 
Um, he'll be annoyed that he's been beaten by his teammate in qualifying, given, you know, that's one of the things where Fernando Alonso seems to have always excelled. You know, he very much destroyed Stoffel van Dorn in qualifying when they were teammates at McLaren. But yeah, P9 um, would have wanted to be higher. But do you think this is where the Alpines were today? Yeah. Um, firstly, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I was hoping Alonso would 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 beat Ocon because then I could have used my terrible the pensioner strikes back joke that I had lined up. Um, I can't know, um, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, <sighs> Alpine's weird, um, just in the sense that we, I, I, I mean, especially after um, uh, you know first couple of races of the season, we were sitting there going, "Oh, this is," you know, things have obviously fallen off the wagon a wee bit in terms of um, in terms of performance, but. I think it might have just been teething, you know, finger trouble um, or teething issues or whatever you want to call it, because they they have become like a solid um, midfield team. Not sure if that's where they deserve to be. There are a couple of anomalous um, uh, results in qualifying, mainly, um, you know, the absence of the other Ferrari of uh, of Carlos Sainz. Um, I think if he wasn't in the wall in Q two, then you know. They may have been um, out of place a wee bit, especially um, just with how competitive those um, last couple of minutes in Q2 tend to be. Um, but yeah, like he's uh, uh, Fernando's done an incredible job. I mean, I th- there were a lot of doubts from a lot of people just that he'd, he'd come back. It would just be like a you know basically like a parade lap, or you know he's he's come out of retirement for you know because he's bored or something but he's um he's shown with every discipline that he gets that, that he's thrown himself into with motorsport be it Le Mans or uh, Dakar or, or IndyCar or whatever it may be that he's he's a very applied learner and he's very um sort of methodical it's 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 quite interesting to watch and he's slowly gotten better and better as the as the season goes on so I think he's uh, possibly being held back by the car a wee bit, but this is a, a you know, given Ocon's right there as well, um, I think this is indicative of, the, of of where they belong this weekend, but I'm not too sure if this is a true indication of their performance or whether the the hotter conditions have somehow worked in their favour. But I think we'll we'll obviously be able to see um, once all the important stuff happens tomorrow afternoon, Um uh, where things end up, but I'm I'm hoping they can stay within the top ten and score some uh, vital points. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom Sebastian Vettel, he's been going pretty well with that, uh, you know, very sporting rainbow pride flag uh, helmet, <laughs> which I was 100% going to mention. But P10, yeah. uh, he set a very fast lap in Q2. Um, went faster in Q3 just about, but it was still only really enough for P10. But, yeah, uh, what do you make for the Aston Martins' chances this weekend? Um, I think the Astons will be on the fringes of the points this weekend. Um, you, know, was, you know, his teammate is obviously down in P12. And, again, like Steve mentioned, that seems to be my phrase of this podcast, Um with with Sainz Junior not making it through to Q three with you know with a um with an unfortunate love tap into the wall then um you know there's a possibility that Vettel may not have made it through to Q three you know especially with again like Steve said with the end of Q two being as hectic as it usually is 
Um, I don't know if Vettel would have would have made it through. But on the flip side, then if he would have lined up P eleven, he would have fresh choice of tyres or the rest of it. Uh, with with Danny Rick behind him, um, you know, if if Danny Rick gets a good start, he might he might go past him. The McLaren hasn't been particularly strong this weekend, so I wonder if Vettel might just end up going for a bit of a Sunday drive tomorrow. To be honest, you know, yeah, that I, is I don't, quite yeah. possible. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see him doing much more from there. You know, maybe picking up a point from a. You know, you know. Again, if there's a safety car or something thrown in, you know, he might time a pit stop or something. But aside from that, I'm I don't see there being much happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, Steve, uh, Daniel Ricciardo P11, fresh ch- fresh tire choice. Um, but starting P11, you know, definitely not where uh, McLaren would want to be. And I think Daniel Ricciardo's comments on the radio after setting that lap. Uh, would uh, indicate that that's not where he wanted to be either. Yeah, I quite liked um, Nico Rosberg's reaction to that as well, saying, no, that is the right word. Um, you can uh, probably guess what word it was if, uh, if you didn't hear it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm a bit disappointed. Um, I do wonder whether Great Britain, um, just with the sprint qualifying, but like just the change in format, somehow worked in Daniel's favour because he was he was absolutely on it that weekend and I was sitting there thinking, right, he's finally sort of got the monkey off his back and figured figure that car out. But we're back to ugh, standard operating procedure. He's more or less half a second off um Norris at the end of Q2, which is obviously, you know, where it where it counts because that's where he was knocked out. He he wasn't that far off Vettel either, but I th- it's, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's still 11th. Um, free choice of tyre, I don't think that's going to be much consolation for him at all. Um, yeah, it's... I'm, I'm wondering whether this is a case of it is a car issue or whether it's... Um, you know, he, he's, he's gone into... Uh, not a brand new team. Like he's gone into a team that are, you know, getting better. Well, in recent years, anyway, have, have been getting better and better, and they're knocking on the door of that, you know, of, of being in that sort of, um, you know, best of the rest. Um, and whether it's just a, a bit of a, a a psychological warfare thing, because Norris is just walking all over him almost every weekend. Um, I think it'd be a good indication of whether sprint qualifying does somehow work in his favour when we get to, I think, Italy's the next sprint qualifying, isn't it? Um, Monza. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I think once we get to Monza, if that somehow works in his favour again, then maybe it's just a a format that works because the standards, three practice sessions, qualifying, and then race format that we have, most of the season just doesn't seem to be working for him with this car. And I don't know why that's the only thing I can think of. It's uh, yeah, it's disappointing, but um, he's, he's fighty. He's, he's, you know, he's a notorious late breaker and a, a, a position sniper. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll go for what's available, but um, he really should be up there, you know, in that sort of, in, in that top 10 um, fighting with, you know, fighting alongside Norris, not, not trailing behind him, five cars behind. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, 
that's one thing that McLaren will be hoping that Danny Ricciardo can at least pull up out of the bag next season if he can't bring it out this season. So, Tom, looking at P12, Lance Stroll in the Aston Martin, just behind Daniel Ricciardo um, and ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, it's not where they'd want to be, uh, given that he, I think he was in the top 10 for all F, uh, free practice sessions. But, you know, you've got to get that lapping when it counts. And sadly, he didn't. Yeah, um, Stroll is... Don't really know what to say. He's he, he's just pardon the pun. He's just going for a stroll, isn't he? And he's just you know he's he's just just been sort of like meandering around. Um, Dasson doesn't seem to be going particularly well this weekend. Um, I, I'd say Aston are probably well almost definitely should look at where they are. And look at the driving performance. They're probably bottom of, of the midfield from from you know, from uh, uh, from qualifying. Yeah, he, yeah, he'll probably be, have been disappointed to miss out on Q3, especially given how close it was at the end. Um, I mean, if you look at sort of like P7 through to P, yeah, P, P, P12, I mean, we'll discount that for a mail on this, but certainly stroll up to about Leclerc, I mean, heck, even Norris, there's not much in it at all. And, you know, if, if he'd have perhaps, you know, you know, if, if, if he'd have had a slightly better traction, I'd maybe say one turn or if he'd have perhaps not washed wide a fraction somewhere. I'm not saying he did, I'm just saying that if a lap could have been hooked up ever so slightly better, not saying I could do any better, obviously, but, you know, it's just, it's such fine margins that he could have potentially made it into Q3, but, yeah, he's just, just in 12th and then, you know, I, I think he's going to be, uh, going to be another one of those races where he's going to perhaps need other things to go his way in order for him to work his way up the grid. But, yeah, I mean, decent. And I think it, when you look at a face value and you see Stroll in 12th, it looks harsher than it is on him because he is a decent driver, in my opinion. Yeah, that's one thing that having other um, pay drivers coming in like has shown that, you know, Lance Stroll is actually not that bad. Um, and there's certainly potential for it to be worse. But Steve, Kimi Raikkonen, P13, finally broke that... Um, Four qualifying session streak of being out in Q1, uh, which is what Alfa Romeo will certainly be wanting. And with uh, Antonio Giovinazzi being right behind him as well, you know, if there's a safety car and a couple of crashes ahead, that could be points for Alfa Romeo tomorrow. Yeah, but <laughs> it's um, it's sometimes hard to believe that we're talk. You know, we're talking about the the man that Michael Schumacher used to used to fear being down in 13th, but I mean, he's, I, I, you know, he's, he's basically on retirement or he's, he's at retirement age now. So um, nice to see him in Q2. Um, I don't think it matters too much. Really the only chance that either Alpha have of moving forward is, as you say, is, is capitalizing on, um, on someone else's misfortune. Um and I, I just don't see that happening. Hungary's usually fairly processional um, uh, as a race. It has thrown up some, uh, some, you know, some interesting races in the past. But uh, when you when you're down that far, um, you're sort of out of the running already. So um, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, given Geo's there as well, their times are very similar, especially in, in Q2, Raikkonen 117.564, Geo's 117.583. So I think that is fairly indicative of where the Alfa Romeo's would, you know, have, you, you could expect them to be. Um, and Raikkonen's on the, on, you know, on the right side of his, te- uh, his teammate, which is, uh, which is nice as well. So, yeah, hopefully he's enjoyed it. Um, we all know that it's, uh, he's there as it's a, I can't remember what he said, it's a hobby or something like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, fair play to him. And if um, Fred Vassar is willing to um, to pay him to indulge in his hobby, then fair enough. But, um, yeah, I think it's um, it's it's definitely um, uh, about time that uh, Alfa Romeo start looking at options if they do want to be serious about remaining in the sport. They're obviously hanging around um, in their partnership with Sauber. So, um, yeah, I mean, Geo is still a bit of an unknown quantity to me. So, um, you know, if they keep Raikkonen on for another year, then this is this is what they can expect. But I think this is about where, you know, you'd expect Raikkonen to be. So, yeah, nice to see him in Q2. But, um, yeah, it's uh, he's definitely a far cry from the... Uh, uh, from the driver that we that we saw 10 years ago but i mean i guess that comes with age tell that to uh fernando alonso but tom uh antonio (laughs) gymnasi as mentioned by steve right behind him um beaten by his teammate in qualifying which you know is something that we're not used to seeing as of late in terms of you know the alphas but you know he'll have just been annoyed that his particularly what was going to be a fast lap was impacted by the red flags in q2 yeah, um, I felt a little bit for Giovinazzi because you know, he's been pretty damn good this year, especially in a car that's inherently fairly poor. Um, again, you know, he's been he's been ahead of Kimi for most of the season. He's had the measure of him for most of the season. Um, yeah, it, I don't. Again, I don't think fourteenth is an accurate representation of where he could have been this weekend. Um, I think if, if he'd have had a good run in Q2, he could have probably been a little bit higher. Probably beaten Raikkonen because he was certainly on a good lap. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, just, just again, he'll just sort of pot around and take what comes his way. But I, I think, I, I think it's going to be, I think we can have a bit of a, a bit of a possession, sort of like roughly where he is on the grid. Yeah bit of a procession and a driver steve who will be annoyed if it is a procession and especially annoyed with himself today carlos signs uh out in q2 because of the uh flash of oversteer i want to say because on the replay like there was no signs whatsoever that it was coming until you know it went wrong but yeah he'll just be annoyed because that ferrari certainly had pace and just you know coming in in uh p15 provided that the car is okay, you know, and doesn't require any gearbox uh, changes or whatever as a result of it. Yeah. He's going to be hoping for the opposite of a professional race. Yeah. He was definitely um, looking like a solid top 10 uh, finisher for qualifying. I I would have expected him up and, you know, annoying at least the Alpines. He's been, um, he's been bloody good all season. Um, He's definitely, I think he's probably the only driver who's swapped, who's jumped into a new car this season, who's been instantly there or thereabouts with his teammate. Like he's he's been very very rapid. So this will be yeah a very frustrating result. Um, 
obviously there are concerns around the state of the gearbox. That was a massive hit. Um, he's okay, which is the main thing. Um, but yeah, the mechanics might not be too too, <laughs> too chuffed about that. But I don't think he needs to beat himself up for that accident too much. I mean, mistakes do happen. And um, yeah, I'll say it again, tyres were obviously absolutely roasting, um, especially those softs, which I think he was, I uh, might have been on the mediums actually. Um, but either way, I mean, you know, track temperatures were insanely high. There were there was some, uh, you know, uh, wind going on, which was, um, uh, I think it was a tailwind going into that corner as well. So we've seen just how quickly these cars just snap when they decide they don't like something. Um, and yeah, I mean, if it wasn't going to happen to him, it probably be someone else. So I don't think he should beat himself up too much. But the good thing is, he's he's definitely not where he needs he he deserves to be so there is there's more than enough um incentive and you know motivation with carlos to to try and move forward and you know by by sort of halfway um half race distance yeah, half race distance tomorrow he could be annoying um vessel and daniel and that sort of thing provided they stay where they are so yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, and we we we've seen what sort of driver Carlos becomes when he's uh, when he's up against it. He becomes very very uh, fighty. So that might actually be quite interesting to watch tomorrow. It's just a shame he's not further up. Yeah, a very hot and feisty Spaniard in a Ferrari always produces some interesting racing. So, Tom, looking <laughs> yeah. at Yuki Tsunoda in P sixteen, um, considering he was facing backwards um in i think it was p1 uh you know it's a it was a recovery weekend for him but um being ahead of the williams he'll at least take that yeah i mean sure um oh bloody hell sonoda where do we begin oh god this uh, I'm gonna sound like I'm going in on it, and I swear I'm not. This kid is not ready for Formula One. Um, he needed another year in F2 at the very least, with some practice sessions in F1, because as many a driver who have come up from F2 to F1 have said, it is an enormous jump. Obviously, they've come through the ranks F3, F2, you know, karting, and then you know maybe some F4 or some you know, Formula Renault, Formula 3.5, whatever it was. To go from F2 to F1 is a big jump, not just in terms of the cars, you know, in terms of the physicality needed to drive it or the rest of it, but in terms of the complexity, the pressure as well, and obviously being in the public eye a lot more, and especially being in a team or a setup as fearsome as the Red Bull setup. Uh, this whole season, now, yes, Gasly, we know is a very good driver, and I'm contradicting myself somewhat in what I said earlier when I said that you can't necessarily directly compare perhaps two drivers in a team and and I said that with the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull but in those teams you've got Lewis Hamilton, you've got Max Verstappen Alpha Tari is not a front running team and to have one driver constantly P5, P6, P7 I mean heck he's been on the podium at least once this year if uh, I don't think Gasly has been on the podium twice this year. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I think I think the other time he was on the podium was obviously 
last year when he won and then the year before in Brazil. Um, but the point is, he's still been on the podium this year and he's always been in the top 10, always been in Q3, apart from the first race when he gave a glove tap to one of the drivers and lost his front wing. But Sonoda, fairly consistently at the moment, out in Q1, just cannot seem to get a handle on the car. And I do wonder if he was put in that seat prematurely because Honda wanted a Japanese driver and there was perhaps quite a bit of influence in him taking that seat. I'm not saying he's a bad driver by any stretch because he was good in F2 last year. But Mick Schumacher had another year in F2. And, okay, maybe not the best example because he didn't make quality this weekend. But when when Schumacher had another year in F2 last year and then did some FP sessions for Alfa Romeo last year, it's done in wonders coming into F1 this year. And I just can't help but think... Alpha Tauri have perhaps jumped the gun a bit with Yuki Sonoda here and put him in before he's ready. Let's not forget, Sonoda was born in, what, 2001? He was born the same year that Fernando Alonso made his F1 debut. And I think, uh, no, sorry, no, no, the same year Kimi Raikkonen made his F1 debut. Because Alonso made his de- debut in, no, Alonso was 2001 as well with Minardi. Sorry, what am I talking about? So, um, yeah, you can hear the cogs on my head wearing. But my point is, he's still very, very, very young. You know, he's only just 20 years old. And people mature for some, you know, for F1 at different time, you know, at different points. And I just think he's not ready yet. But we're halfway into a season. Yeah, halfway into the season. And uh, if there has been any level of consistency in Yuki's Sonoda, it's that he does seem to, you know, be around this stage. And whilst, you know, Alpha Tari aren't challenging for the championship, they are challenging to, you know, be ahead of their rivals. And in order to do that, you've got to get points or at least finish P11 in terms of countback. But yeah, moving on. Steve, George Russell, not used to saying this, uh, out in Q1 for the first time this season. Just couldn't get the lap together, it looked like, really. Yeah, it looked like um, just a bit of a struggle for both the Williams, actually. Um, but, yeah, it's um, unfortunate, but we know what sort of driver George is, so I wouldn't take too much away from this. I think it was just conditions were against them. Um just to use the old race driver excuse, um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't expect Russell to make huge leaps for tomorrow. He could um, start, uh, you know, playing with Sonoda or maybe the Alfa Romeos as well, depending on on what they are like over a, a, an actual race distance. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think, you know, takeaways from his, you know, from his session, he he did beat Latifi, not by much. Um, He was relatively close to Sonoda's time as well. Um, And yeah, wasn't, wasn't that far off the, um, the alphas either. There's, I think about three tenths and, you know, that's over a single lap. That's a lot, but obviously a lot can change during a, during a race distance as well. So um, yeah, like, uh, not an amazing weekend, but I mean, we do have to bear in mind that we are talking about Williams. So there are, you know, um, I think maximum expectations for that team at the best of times. And Russell's just been 
overdriving that car in uh, in qualifying sessions and putting it in places where it doesn't deserve to be. So, um, yeah, uh, an okay but not great session. But um, I don't necessarily think that's the fault of Russell or or either Williams driver. It's just, um, yeah, obviously the the Williams in general is just not happy in these sort of conditions. Yeah, if there was a circuit that Williams was not going to um, appreciate this season, it is certainly, you know, a very high downfall circuit like the Hungaroring. And Tom, uh, Nicholas Latifi, his teammate, will at least take some, you know, solace in the fact that he's right behind George Russell in terms of the time that they set in qualifying. You know, it's a matter of um, hundreds of a second between them. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. A good performance from Latifi or just an underperformance from George Russell. Either way, they are right next to each other, and that's what Latifi will take for moving forward. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to add to Latifi. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, we we know why he's in that seat. Um, to be fair, he was right on George Russell's tail. You know, you know, like like you said, it was it was put, putting one of a second in it. Um, yeah, you know, he'll just he'll just do his thing, go around, maybe get a penalty and go into the summer break. Uh, I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, so, I'm not expecting so, much more for no, the uh I'm, I'm, of the grid. Yeah, I'm 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 struggling now and I'll and Steve has got the pleasure of talking about Mazepin. Ooh, this is so, gonna be spicy. Off you go, Steve. <laughs> Steve, Nikita Mazepin, P19, ahead of his teammate, which I'm sure, you know, they'll find some way of spinning as, you know, an achievement. But, yeah, um, nearly a second off Nicholas Latifi. That's telling. Yeah. um, I was kind of wondering what the, um, uh, you know, what, like, what it takes to be almost a second off of Williams. Um, and I think I've got the answer is Mazepin. Um, talent. Yeah. I mean, uh, Tom said daddy's money. Sonoda that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> like Tom said before that Sonoda's not ready for formula one because he was just put in the car a bit too soon. Mazepin's not formula one material either because he's just, slow um i i just you just don't see any um i get that he's in a house we can only expect so much out of him but i mean for goodness sakes when are they like this is a team who insists that they're serious on staying you know staying in the sport and you know getting back to the the sort of fighty punchy team that they were when they when they first arrived because they were they were absolutely brilliant when they first came to the sport and they've they've just drifted back um, and I didn't think it could get it could get much worse than the um, the rich energy debacle that it, it has. Um, Some say I they're just, still running the same cars from 2015 when they showed up. I mean, it would <laughs> bloody surprise me. It's just, <laughs> just I, uh, I mean, that it, it's a it's an absolute shame that they've got. They're basically fighting with one arm tied behind their back because I mean the only the only reason the team exists is because they've had funding from 
a, a very very wealthy Russian bloke who's decided to you know leverage that deal by putting his son in the car when his when he just has no place in 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 F one. He's just he's he's not there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say, but I mean, I'm pretty sure if you got the Mastercard Lolas from when was it 1996 on the grid, they would you know they could they could potentially you know fight with Mazepin. That's that's saying a lot because those cars were dog slow. Um, I just yeah, I've, I've sort of done talking about them now. Um, that's it really. I. I possibly had a more creative rant prepared, but honestly, I mean, there's nothing to add, is there? He just puts he just puts me to sleep. Basically, it's just it's a non-event. I mean, considering it's um, five to four over there, maybe putting you to sleep isn't the right idea. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Just to give like a quick mention as well of Mick Schumacher, who you know crashed out in FP3, will be starting with a five-place grid penalty tomorrow uh, for changing his gearbox. But I don't really think that's going to make too much of a difference, given he didn't start in qualifying. So, Tom, do you think just to give one last thing, is he going to finish ahead of Mazepin tomorrow? Um. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? I mean, you know, that, that's if Massapin doesn't actually yeet it off the track at some point. Um, but we shall see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, but let's uh, let's get on with some predictions for tomorrow then. So we need a top three from the both of you. Let's start with Steve. Who's going to be on top tomorrow? Is it going to be Lewis? Is it going to be Bottas, Verstappen or someone else? I think the the way qualifying has ended is the way the race will end for the top three. Um, I think that's it. I think Hamilton's just, I mean, he's bossed it. He, he, he went a second faster in, uh, sorry, over a second faster in Q, in his Q3 than he, than he did in Q2. Like that's just inhumanly fast. Um, I like uh, yeah, he's, He's he's got it. Um, I think yeah, Ham bot Verstappen. Um, maybe yeah, that I can't see any any other result. Ham bot the Reddit's gonna love yep. it. Tom, <laughs> your prediction, please. Uh, I'm gonna flip on his head. I think Verstappen's gonna absolutely goddamn send it in, into turn one. He's gonna battle his way through, especially if he's gonna be on a softer tire. Then he's gonna learn. The team are gonna learn their mistakes in 2019 when they got done on strategy, when Verstappen was leading the race. Um, I'm going to say the handbot. The handbot. Well, I'm basing my prediction off, um, one, the qualifying results, but also Lewis did seem to be stronger on the longer runs that Mercedes did on Friday. Um, so handbot, the handbot, the <laughs> two handbot, vers. amazing. <laughs> Um, and a bold prediction from the two of you, please, starting with Steve. Um, bold prediction. Hmm. I, um, I did have one, but I'm not too sure if it's actually, if it makes any sense or not. But I think, uh, I just have this weird feeling that Alonso is going to just just get incredibly scrappy and end up you know, in the top five, I think I, I think I'll go with that. Alonso, top five. 
I think an Alpine finishing in the top five tomorrow, given how close that midfield battle is, is bold. Um, but also, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Tom? Uh, my bold prediction, signs into the points. Signs into the points. Yeah, uh, that would certainly mean it's not necessarily pro- processional from the Ferrari. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I just hope for a non-processional race as it is anyway. But yeah, yeah, I'm going to say fastest lap from outside the top 10 because we've had it twice now this season. Um, You know, at the expense of Perez getting a point last season, not last season, last race. Um, You know, if Max Verstappen does end up not being on the podium whatsoever, Red Bull are just going to, you know, sacrifice Perez to get that fastest lap point again, aren't they? Oh, yes. Yeah. So that has been our qualifying show. Um, and now it's time to give an opportunity to promo uh, the uh, the Formula One Shakedown <laughs> and the Everything F1 podcast. So, Steve, give a you know little pitch. What is Formula Shakedown and, you know, where do people go if they want to join it? Uh, so Formula Shakedown is on Facebook. Um, we also have um, uh, a presence on Twitter as well, um, or just the general Shakedown uh, Twitter, I should say. But basically, you can find Formula Shakedown on Facebook. We are a um, multinational Facebook group dedicated to all things open wheels. So whether it's Formula One, casting, F5000, IndyCar, Formula Libre, whatever takes your fancy, um, we will happily talk about it. So come join. Um, it's well moderated. We're basically zero BS. So if you're one of those people who likes to wish death threats or racism upon the drivers you dislike, then you can uh, do us all a favour and not request to join. But for people who actually like to have, um, you know, uh, mature and, you know, uh, you know, positive discussion about the sport that we all love, then come on, join. Absolutely. Go and check it out. And Tom, we've got you on loan from Everything F1 Podcast. <laughs> Why not give a bit of a brief, uh, you know, opportunity to promo the F- Everything F1 Podcast? Okay, I will do. I'm going to make this very brief because the Lions are about to kick off and I'm going to go and be glued to the TV for the next hour and a half. Um, you can find Everything F1. We have a sort of quite wide social presence. So we have the website, which is everythingf1.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And we have a Facebook page, which is join well, at join EF1. Our sort of main area, if you like, is our group, which is the Everything F1 paddock. Uh, we are predominantly Formula One, but we do have conversations around other forms of motorsports. We also have a Discord server, which you can find on our website. And also we have our weekly podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Do go and listen to the Everything F1 podcast. And uh, also, if you'd like to hear anything else from me, I do have my own YouTube channel, uh, Ruby Price. I just make videos every now and then, and it'd be great if you could watch some. 
So that has been the show. Grid Talk is available on Amazon as well as YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search F1 Grid Talk. We have a huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to the qualifying and race results. We are on Reddit. Search for the subreddit F1 Grid Talk. And we have a Patreon for mics, lights, and better recording equipment. Also, make sure you subscribe so you're first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back tomorrow to review the Hungarian Grand Prix. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to Tom and Steve for joining me. Pleasure as always. Yeah, and goodbye.